Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. An American newspaper posted a strange advert once and it went like this. I will listen to you talk for 30 minutes without a comment for only $5. That's 92 rand. It wasn't a scam. It wasn't a fake advert. The person who posted the advert received between 20 and 30 calls a day for weeks on end. People are lonely. Paul Tenier is a Swiss uh, author and scientist and intellectual. He once told of a Swiss woman who lived in a very large house, had many people working for her, and did work with many, many people. But she did something strange every night. She would tune into a radio station just before they signed off. You know, right at the end of the broadcast, they'd sign off for for the evening at like midnight. She would tune in, and the person who signed off says, we wish you a very pleasant good night. She said every time she listened to that, she imagined that he was speaking to her. How many of you realize that people can have people around them, can have wealth, can have a lot going for them, but can be very lonely? In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, there was a man all alone, or a person all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Notice what he says, for whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Do you know that when you don't have people in your life, no matter how much you've got and how great your job is and how much money is coming in, it is a miserable business. And I've discovered, and men are plagued by this, people are incredibly lonely. You'd never think so. In fact, the person sitting next to you this morning could be incredibly lonely, and if they told you that, you'd be shocked, because loneliness plagues a lot of people. I want to speak to you this morning on overcoming loneliness. You might be one of those outgoing extroverts this morning. You say, I could have slept in today. This message is not for me. No, it might not be for you, but it might be for someone very close to you, and God is saying, pay attention and pass this on. I want to give you six things, and when we get to number six, we will look at four-step cure for loneliness. We want to discuss loneliness with you because it's something we don't talk about, but it's very, very important. And as I said, men are plagued with it because men tend to be quite withdrawn. Have you noticed the ladies go to the toilet together? For men, the thought of that is just insane. We keep to ourselves. We hide everything. We project a bold front. It's the nature of the beast. Number one, the first thing about loneliness is this. Loneliness is an epidemic. It's an epidemic. It's real. It's no respecter of persons. Listen to me today. Those close to the Lord and those far from the Lord both experience loneliness. And you can be a committed Christian who loves God, but you can be incredibly lonely. As I said a moment ago, someone who doesn't look like it could be extremely lonely. You say, but they married. doesn't mean because you're married, you're not lonely. Because sometimes you don't have a connection with the person that you're married to. A Gallup poll in America reported that four out of ten Americans admit to frequent feelings of intense loneliness. That's nearly half of the population. A magazine called Psychology Today estimates that over 40% of us will feel loneliness at some point in our lives. 
In America, they have an organization called the U.S. Health Resources and Services Administration. They have researchers who have studied this topic. They've warned that loneliness and social isolation can be as damaging as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness. Do you know that a lot that you experience physically comes from your emotions? And we never take it into account. That's why, can I just say, interject here today, make sure you don't carry unnecessary anxiety. Cast your cares on the Lord, for He cares for you, because it could eat away at you. There was once a movie called What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I, I want to make a new movie. What's eating most Christians? We carry stuff and people die early from cancers because we've got things in our lives. Loneliness can contribute to that. And we needn't be lonely. They go on to say here that the loneliness epidemic is a major concern for health professionals because they've linked it to high blood pressure, depression, heart disease, stroke, and more. Loneliness suppresses the immune system and causes our immune systems to function less efficiently, which puts us at, at risk for de developing all kinds of illness and diseases. And they've even reckoned that loneliness, chronic loneliness, can increase our chances of death by 14%. Then they've also linked loneliness to certain types of cancer. Isn't that amazing? You'd think cancer came from certain kinds of food. No comes from loneliness because you're being eaten at on the inside. They did a study with patients who had heart attacks, and they reckoned the percentage was this. Listen to this. 80% uh, said that, that uh, sorry, 50% admitted that they were lonely and depressed before they had a heart attack. Then they examined 80% of psychiatric patients. You know, people are having issues with depression and emotional challenges that want to go to a clinic. And, and can I say this? Tablets do not cure loneliness. In fact, they'll increase it. But 80% of psychiatric patients said that they came and sought help from a psychologist, not because they were mixed up or messed up, but, but essentially because they were lonely and had no one to talk to. And here's an interesting statistic. I don't know what it is in South Africa, but in America, half a million people attempted suicide in the U.S. each year. And often those attempts are linked to loneliness. What if you know any lonely people? Loneliness is quite a thing. And uh, God wants us to recover from it. It's truly an epidemic. Number two, loneliness is not solitude. Loneliness is not solitude. It's not being lonesome or alone. And sometimes being in solitude is very good for us. And then if you know that, put your phone down and, you know, if you're a person that's glued to your phone or glued to the TV, just try and sit in a room for a half an hour without doing anything. You'd be shocked how fidgety you become. Got to have something all the time. And we are fed. But we need to think and regroup and sometimes get our bearings. Even Jesus uh, needed to do that. And, and, and can I ask you this question? Are you happy with your own company? Or don't you like being alone because then your own thoughts, then you've got to find someone to talk to or something to watch so that you can get away from who you are. No, that's not healthy. Jesus got away and was, in, it was solitary and it wasn't loneliness. Matthew chapter 14, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. There were times when he didn't take the 12 with him, where he withdrew from crowds, and it's a very good thing. So it's important that we recognize that when we are alone, it's not loneliness. Number three, loneliness is the price we pay for certain choices. If you're lonely today, it could be that you're paying a price for some of the choices you've made. 
Maybe you've been so busy that you haven't taken time to build relationships. That's why you're lonely. And now you can't understand it because you've got everything, but you haven't got people. Hmm? Sometimes you get divorced and you, you, you wonder why your family doesn't contact you. Well, you spent your life working and too busy for them. Now that you're successful, you wonder where they are. Well, you've so alienated them by your choices, you've brought your loneliness on your life. Well, there is a cure for it, though. You can build bridges again and build relationships again. Isn't that true? It can be so goal-driven and money-driven and vision-driven and all those things, achieving things that we never take time to build relationships. Sometimes you can be so poor on relationships that you don't realize that people in your life have withdrawn from you. Can I just say this? If you keep on being sarcastic and moody and irritable and negative, why should people be gravitating to you? Why would we want to be punished? If you, if you knew someone, every time you met them and talked to them for five minutes and they slapped you in the face, I mean, you know, you wouldn't go back. Imagine your neighbor does that to you. Hi, how's it morning? After you talking five minutes, qua. Next time you'd be like through the window, how's it, eh? And it's the same with people's attitudes. You give off something, people withdraw. It's natural. Then I, I'm lonely, and I go to rivers, and I'm in a mega church, and you hear all that negativity. No, it's your job to look at the person next to you and say good morning. Amen. Don't file in and sit in your seat as though you're in a cubicle. Look at your neighbor this morning. Say good morning. Not to your wife either. Because we do that. I, I do that. Go to public places, and you slip into your cubicle. And what do you do? Take your phone. Escape route number one. I love it when I go to London, I sit on the tube, and you know, I look at people. Then you know what they do? They look at you like, what are you looking at? You must be a bomber. Because no one looks at us. They look down, or they close their eyes, or they look at their phone. What's the matter with you? I dare you to scare someone next time you get in the lift. Say good morning. Or when it's full, turn around and say, who called this meeting? I think that even Christians are repelled by bad attitudes. Sometimes the choices we make, we're, we're reaping what we sow. Don't blame, do not blame Rivers Church. We're not this, you know, people use the name Rivers Church. What is like it's some amorphous thing. No, it's individuals. And it's us. We lead it. We take it personally when you say that because our intentions are never to repel people or to be impersonal. I'm not, a, I'm not a motivational speaker looking to get applause. I'm here to help and nurture people. If that doesn't happen, it's not our intention. Choices you're making could be the problem that you are lonely. Maybe you don't have a partner yet. Now, there are many circumstances for that. But if you're holier than thou, hmm, or you give off something, don't expect people to be drawn to you. And we can, be, we can be responsible and we can be paying a price for our own loneliness. But here's the thing, you can change it today. Let me give you some encouragement. You go in that foyer today. Don't go out in your bubble. Some people, like, you've got to like break through it. Like, hello. <laughs> hello. You've got to break through their bubble. No, just go out. Hi, hi, hi. You'd be amazed how people respond. I've made a point of trying to do that in my life. It's not always easy. You go to restaurants, try and build a bridge with everybody. You'd be amazed how they'll serve you. 
you go to restaurants in Santon, they line up. Pastor Andre, Pastor Wilma, this way, this way. Now we want to sit there. Oh, they're coming with me. <laughs> you, people who don't like you don't do that. Now we usually tip 20%, so that's got something to do with it. But being friendly, asking their name. Why, what you got to lose? Then when you ask for a little favor, that, that's got sauce on. Can I have the? Of course. When I go to places where they don't know me, no, but that's the menu. When I go to places they know me because of relationship. If you're lonely, maybe it could be your choices. Change it today. Number four. This is important. Loneliness isn't a sin. Loneliness isn't a sin. You could feel something's wrong with you. No, no. It's a byproduct of being human. And God created us for relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hmm? And God has created us to be in interaction with other people. The first thing that God said was not good, he said it is not good that man is alone. Let me make a woman for him. Just by the way, men, it's Father's Day today. Think about this. Life came from you. God didn't make a woman separately. We're so quick to separate the sexes and fracture everything in our world. No, God made a man. Then out of the man, he made a woman. And the woman bears a child, but actually the woman and the child came out of the man. So the man is responsible. It's not a sin. We could be lonely. Sometimes sin does cause loneliness. We've sinned against people and they withdrew from us or they broke our relationships. Failure of a relationship or a marriage. But loneliness plagues most people, no matter how clever they are. You may have heard of H.G. Wells, someone I grew up with studying, and British scientist, historian, lecturer, and author, considered to be one of the greatest intellects of the 20th century. And just before he died, he made this simple statement, I am lonely. Amazing thing, eh? So many accolades, and yet he's lonely. Now, there are two types of loneliness, quickly, under this point that I want you to make a note of. Firstly, there's geographical loneliness. How many have experienced that? You're away from family. Away from relatives, someone travels overseas, you go away on business, you miss someone. My oldest son and his wife and our old, oldest grandkids, they live in England. And so we miss them as geographical loneliness. We'd like to connect with them and texting helps and FaceTime helps. But there's nothing like being with people and hugging them, eh? And uh, so there's geographical loneliness. But then number two, there's loneliness of spirit. And I want to say to you today, God wants to heal that. He doesn't want us to have loneliness of spirit because it can affect our health. And don't be so self-sufficient that you don't need people. It's not a strength. It's a weakness. And you can have loneliness of spirit living in a home with your husband or your wife. And, uh, or you can have loneliness of spirit because someone made you pregnant. Now they've abandoned you. Or they were married already. And now you're feeling alone. You've got a child. You've got dependence. You, you, that kind of loneliness eats away at one's spirit. You can live in a big complex in Santon and not know anyone. How I many you know that to be true? And the bigger the complex, you'd think the more friends. No, no, no. Sometimes it makes loneliness even more. Maybe you've got elderly family. Make sure they don't get lonely. Don't get irritable when your mother or father is still alive and they keep asking, when are you coming again? And then you roll your eyes. We've all done it. I've done it. Prayed for forgiveness for it many times. Regretted it. And you know, you regret it. You don't regret it when they're alive. You regret it when they're gone. But they could be lonely. 
Loneliness of spirit could actually be shortening their lives and affecting their health. In fact, they say loneliness is a type of poverty of the spirit. Mother Teresa said the most terrible poverty is loneliness and a feeling of being unloved. Do you know even the Apostle Paul experienced loneliness? So it's not a sin, it's a natural human feeling. And we all need people. In fact, if you don't need people, something is usually amiss with you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark, the one who let them down, and bring him with you, for he's useful to me for service. Sometimes the people that let you down, you'd rather have them around than have no one around. Interesting thought, eh? But Paul was lonely, David was lonely, and uh, David as a king had so much in his life, and yet, you know, with all the possessions and the luxury, notice his feelings here, Psalm 25, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. In Psalm 102, we're not sure who the author is, we think it could be David, he says, I'm like an owl in the desert, like a little owl in a far-off wilderness, I lie awake, lonely, as a solitary bird on the roof. You know, I think that probably the thing that we have seldom understand is people like CEOs or celebrities or people that work with a lot of people can be more lonely than people who don't work with people. And fame and possessions and uh, popularity and so on uh, can lead to terrible loneliness because you know what? You, you, when, you, when you're a public person, and I know this to a little bit of a degree, you become quite cautious and less trustful because you know the hurt that people can cause you. you don't, you're not like, oh, everyone knows me. I go up to Santa and how's it? Oh, hello. You know me from my program here? Yeah? Hello. No, you're a little bit cautious because you know that they look for something. People like to dig and pry and gossip about you. So while it seems like everyone knows you, not everyone is on the same side as you. It can be very hurtful. Justin Bieber, in commenting about uh, Amy Winehouse and you know, her terrible uh, life and sadness and with such amazing gifting, he, he said that he could identify with the late Amy Winehouse and her loneliness. And he said this. He said, I want people to know I'm human. I'm struggling just to get through the days. I think a lot of people are. You get lonely, you know, when you're on the road. People see the glam and the amazing stuff, but they don't know the other side. This life can rip you apart. Amazing, eh? All that money, all that fame, and then you left like that. I was reading about Anne Hathaway. Her films have grossed in dollars. Listen to this, $6.8 billion. Amazing. She's won an Emmy. She's won an Academy Award, Golden Globe, Brit Award. And she said, this loneliness is my least favorite thing about life. That thing that I'm most worried about is just being alone without anybody to care for or someone who will care for me. Gosh, can you relate to this today? I really believe this is an epidemic, but it's not a sin. We need to know what to do. And so number five, loneliness must be handled correctly. If we don't handle it co co correctly, we will do damage to ourselves and to others. Now, how do adults manage loneliness? I know, number one, we put on the TV, which includes Netflix, Showmax, Britbox, Amazon, whatever you do. Then secondly to the TV is food. We eat, and then we eat again. Then when we've eaten again, we eat again. 
or we change churches, or we change jobs. But wherever you go, there you are. But here's the problem. Youth don't deal with loneliness the way adults do. Youth deal with loneliness through social media, which in turn makes it even worse. And they deal with loneliness through suicide. It has become an option and it's easy. So watch your young people in their loneliness, especially when they shut their room door and don't want to talk. It's not good. And it's not just normal teenage behavior. It signifies loneliness. And they could be in a big school. They could be on a football or soccer team or a, or a rugby team or whatever it is, or a hockey team, or they could be in athletics, but they could be desperately lonely and it's got to be handled correctly, or it can lead to serious trouble. In fact, they say that when you're lonely, it's often as a young person, it's because of rejection. And if you're making notes this morning, never forget this. It's very easy to remember. Rejection results in two emotions. The first one is apathy, where you feel nothing, and you lose your motivation. In the Bible, Hagar was like that. She got rejected. She went into the wilderness, lay on the ground. But the second one is worse. It's anger. And you want to retaliate. Hmm? Cain killed Abel. Why? Because he felt rejected. He felt lonely. He felt cut off. And we've got to watch out how we handle loneliness. Uh, you remember in 2002, if you've watched the news, a man called Robert Steinhauser, a 19-year-old gun enthusiast, walked into his school and killed 13 teachers. That's one-third of the faculty, by the way. And he killed two students and a policeman before he took his 9mm Glock and turned it on himself. When they went to his home and interviewed his parents, his mother said this, he's always been a loner. Then you remember the Columbine school shooting made history actually in 2002, uh, sorry, 1999. And uh, the two boys, Eric Harris and Dylan Kleinbolt, they killed 13 students and themselves, and they wounded 24. When they looked at Eric Harris's diary, uh, he felt excluded by children in the school, and he felt especially frustrated by females in his life. He actually wrote this in his diary. I hate you people for leaving me out of so many fun things. You people had my phone number, and I asked and all, but no, 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 no. Don't let the weird-looking Eric kid come along. I mean, you know, that's some people's school life. Loneliness. Aldous Huxley remarked in understanding this well, and maybe you can relate to this today or examine this with your own children. He said, if one's different, one's bound to be lonely. So if you happen to be arty or slightly different, you've got to be careful. You, you need to handle yourself correctly, but if you've got children or friends like that, we need to know how to handle them correctly. Because number six, and here's where I want to come to the cure today, is loneliness can lead to suicidal thoughts. If it were okay if we just alone, a little bit miserable, and we went and ate and watched TV and we got over ourselves. But what happens is you go on a progression where you go down, 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 until you're such a deep hole you can't get out. And then usually you go see someone, and what do they do? They tell you to take tablets. I have to say this at this point. Over my 40 years of being in the ministry, I, I can think of less than 0.0001% of someone who's been helped by tablets. Can I just say that to you? You don't have to agree if you're a medical professional. Uh, forgive me at this point. But I've not seen it help people. I've seen prayer help. I've seen faith help. I've seen the word help. I've seen friends help. I've seen connect group help. I've seen serving help. 
So let's look this morning, just as we look at this and we, we read a text here, we, we know this text well, but it's important to read it, to see it in another context. There's a story of Elijah. He had feelings of depression and rejection and loneliness, and his whole life was distorted, and maybe you feel like that, I don't know, but maybe you can relate to this story. He was threatened by um, Jezebel, the queen, who said she was going to kill him, and he was a mighty man of God, but we pick up here just a couple of verses uh, from verse 3, and it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, notice what he did. He left his servant there. The worst thing you can do when you're in trouble is to withdraw from those who could possibly help you. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Mighty man of God, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. See, sometimes loneliness compounds your sense of failure. Why are they, with, why are they doing this to me? Oh, it's because I'm no good. Now, that's not true. It's not true. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. I love this. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have ejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. Notice, I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. I mean, you know, when you think you're the only one left in the whole country that's serving the Lord, you're in a pretty lonely place. You, you, you need to get out of it. Because <laughs> you're not the only one left. Isn't that true? Verse 15, we jumped. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. Now, let's just stop there. You see, when you get depressed, God writes you off, and he wants you to appoint your successor. That Elisha successor was with him 12 years. Do you know what God is saying to him? There's a purpose for your life still. And don't allow your loneliness to cloud out my purpose and plan for your life. And then the Lord says in verse 18, Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Here's the mighty man of God who's been used by God, but he's in depression, feeling suicidal. What could it be? No one to talk to, no one at that level to share with. Do you know, I was reading a study, 2021 Barna Research discovered that 61% of pastors are lonely and have very few close friends. They said this, the loneliest people in churches are often the pastors. Isn't that incredible? Now, just to tell you in case you're wondering and you're... <laughs> I'm not lonely. I like being alone at times, but I'm not lonely. Been married for 50 years to a wonderful sweetheart, the wife of my youth. But you can be in ministry, and I want our pastors and leaders and staff to know that if you are on staff and lonely because of the type of role you have, you need to build bridges and relationships, have people over for dinner, do something, because that loneliness can eat at you until you lie down under a tree and want to die. And many pastors resign from ministry because they can't cope, yet are mightily used by God. And uh, Peter Drucker, he's an American management leader and author, he says four of the toughest jobs in America are this, to be president of the USA, to be the president of a major university, to be the chief administrator of a large hospital, and to be the senior pastor of a large church. 
You see, the people that you never expect to be lonely are sometimes the people that you're looking right at could be lonely. And I just qualify, I'm not lonely. <laughs> so here's a four-step cure for loneliness that we come from this, we read from this passage. Number one, talk to God, he will reciprocate. Elijah prays and pours out his heart to God, and God doesn't castigate him. God talks back to him. God feeds him. God rests him. God doesn't ignore him. I want to tell you this today. Lean on God. He will sustain you. And I don't mean talk to God as in, number one, our Lord, I ask you to heal my brother. Number two, would you give me a new call? Number three, I want the bond to come through. No. Tell God how you're feeling. Lord, I don't feel like going to church. Oh, Lord, I don't feel like going on Sunday. I know they're going to want me on the roster. They're going to phone me and ask me where I am because I've been in hospitality now for two years, but I don't feel like going tomorrow. God's not going to say, sis on you. Bam, bam. No. God will listen to you and pause with you and feed you because you've been honest. Don't just have a prayer list. Converse with him and receive from him. That's what Elijah received. Often the people around us can cause us to be lonely, but the God within us can cause us to be strengthened and can be our comfort. The Apostle Paul felt lonely too. And look what it says in 2 Timothy 4. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. I love this. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Pray. He will infuse you with strength. Let me remind you in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus speaking, he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you're lacking friends today, you say, well, people don't like me. Well, Jesus said that we are his friends. In John chapter 15, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You can go to God. He's he considers you his friend. He's with you always. And I love what it says in Hebrews. That it has in here what's called in the Greek a double negative. It says in Hebrews 13, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, look at this, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's a double negative. Never, never. Like Winston Churchill, never, 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 never give up. It's a double negative. He'll never leave you. Talk to God. He reciprocates. And when you share your heart with him, he responds. Number two, keep serving God's purpose. Keep serving God's purpose. Withdrawal is bad. That's why immediately the Lord says to him, go and anoint and go and anoint. In other words, that's your job. Go back to it. Because once you start functioning, strength will come back. And Elijah goes on another 12 years from here, or 13 years from here, with Elisha, depending on which commentaries you read. And he has purpose. You need to volunteer at rivers. You need to get on and function. Don't withdraw. It's the worst thing you can do. Come even when you're feeling miserable. Come even when your family is ill. Come when you're feeling like it's the last thing you want to do. Once you start serving, you'll be amazed. What begins to flow? Go and serve at the Rivers Foundation. You say, I can't get involved on a regular basis. We travel. I'm in business. I know all that. But once a month at the foundation, and then 25, 30 other people making psalmies, looking at you. Hi, what's your name? What do you do? Oh, oh my word. Yeah. yeah. Come on now. I think it's kept me serving the Lord to have volunteered most of my life and served 
And uh, I think you will become lonely when, you, when, you, when you're not walking with others and you're not working with God. You know, I don't have time to read it this morning, but Moses uh, told the Lord, complained actually, in the book of Numbers chapter 11, he complains to God and he says, I can't do this alone. And God doesn't say, what's the matter with you? God says, go get 70 others. And he gets 70 others and he lays hands on them and he shares ministry with them. And so pastors and leaders don't often get crushed and get lonely because they do, but they, they do because they do it, trying to do it all alone. When you start to share purpose with others, you're able to go on and you're able to go into your deep 60s and keep serving God with passion and energy. <laughs> Number three, is this helping you today? Number three, let the right people in. Do you know what, we, you know what our problem is sometimes? We let the wrong people in. Can I just say this? Don't let online people in. Suss them out first. God made us for relationships. It's not good that man is alone, Genesis 2.18. But you've got to let the right people in. When you let the wrong ones in, eventually you start to become like a citadel. You become barred up. No, let the right people in. You need people. And not just people that will use you, but the ones that God sends. Psalm 68 is a promise. It says God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. Don't shut people out and don't tell yourself you don't need them. There's value in community. Elijah shut himself off and didn't know that there were 7,000 that he could have related to and built bridges with because he was out of touch. I want to ask you, is that you today? Maybe you're disconnected. One of the river's values is connect. Worship, reach, connect, volunteer. Why do we have that? It's because it's so easy to worship and to, and to volunteer, but not to connect. We've got to connect. We have connection with young adults. Very important. And uh, we are, while we all feel bouts of loneliness, long-term loneliness is always a choice. Let God in and let people in. And number four, learn to share your life. Can I say, learn to share your life, not just your photos on social media. People can't share their lives and their feelings anymore. Present the best and hide the rest. How many of you, don't put your hands up, follow us on social media? You'll find we very seldom post. Look at my new pants, like these side pockets. Very cool. Have you noticed how broad? And, and, and they go so well with my white shoes. We don't post trivia because that's not the way to connect with people. That's the way to impress people. Now you share your life with people. You sit with them and you eat a meal and you share and you eat and drink together and, and you tell one another your deepest challenges and you build bridges like that. I've done that with some of my staff who are trusted. You have to do it. Otherwise you become an island. And as I read earlier, pastors are the loneliest people around. Learn to share your life. Don't be afraid of rejection and don't be private and secretive out of insecurity. You know what separates people in life? It's one thing. It's called sin. And when there's no sin, we tend to gravitate. So don't gossip and, and, and have issues. 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship with one another. See, if you've been hurt by people, we need to move on, forgive them, and let people in again. And he said, you don't understand. No, no, I do understand. Listen to me today. If you're making notes, write this down. Everyone is struggling, not just you. If you're human, you struggle. 
I've been in this a long time, 40 years in the ministry. Uh, I'm getting on a bit. I'm not an old man. Don't you dare say that. This white hair is just a deception. It's a genetic deception. I understand. I've been around. You still face feelings of failure, rejection, negativity. You never get completely past it. So we need others to share the load with us. I love what this uh, late American author Thomas Wolfe said. He said, the whole conviction of my life now rests upon the belief that loneliness, far from being rare and a curious phenomenon, peculiar to myself and a few other solitary men, is the central and inevitable fact of human existence. We can end up alone and lonely and think it's only us when God wants us to come to him and come into community and build bridges and God wants to heal us of our isolation and he wants us to connect. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 